Welcome to this week's message from Mountain Park Church. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we hope that as you listen to today's message, you feel challenged and inspired to give God more room to work in your life this week. So today, I am going to pick up kind of right where I left off last week. I'll bring you up to speed a little bit on what we were talking about last week. We uh, opened up by saying that there are certain principles or keys to life that God has given us in his word and in the scriptures. There are certain things that he has said in the word. If you live by these principles, if you build your life upon these things, you can have a life that you would love. And we're going to get into the scripture in just a moment. But there's a place where Jesus in the Gospels actually talks about this himself. And he says, you know, building your life on the principles that he was teaching, building your life on the principles Jesus was teaching or what you find in the Bible is like building a house on the rock. And when you build your house with a foundation that is firm on bedrock, It is so much stronger, he said, when the storms come, they're not going to be able to blow it down. They're not going to be able to knock down a structure that is built on the rock. If you're building on the sand and the storms come, your house is more likely to collapse. And so what he was saying in this is if you build your life on the principles that I'm giving you, if you build your life on the things that you find in the word of God, you're like building your house or your you're not your, your, your actual house, your, your body, your house. You're building this on the principles of God. You're building it on the rock. Jesus himself was the rock, right? He was the cornerstone, the foundation of the church itself. And when we build our lives on him, when we build our lives on the principles he gives us, then we're going to have an incredible life. How could we not? He's actually the author of life itself. He knows how, uh, the best way that we could live our life. So why would we try to live it any other way? I have to ask myself that sometimes. Because I can have a tendency to be kind of stubborn, right? And go my own way. We talked about this last week. We talked about obedience and trust. What it means to obey the scripture in faith. Trusting that it's actually going to make a change in our lives, that it's actually going to do something for us. And it takes that trust and obey factor. But when we start to build our lives on the rock, on Jesus, when we start to build our lives on the principles he teaches us, we can build a life that we would actually love. Our scripture for today is found in 1 Peter 3. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to jump off into a little bit of teaching. But in 1 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says this. For whoever would love life and see good days. Now, I'm I'm going to be a little bit Greek geek with you today. Because when we look into the the richness of the text in the Greeks, Greek, um, if you go back, I don't know if any of you do this on your own. I do it all the time. I go back into the original Greek language. It, it literally says, if you want to love your life, if you want a life that you would love, if you want to lay your head on the pillow every night and say, that was a good day. I love my life. 
Most of us would say we're probably not in that place, would we? Most of us, we're getting through, you know, sometimes we lay our head on the pillow at night and it's like, at least I made it through the day, right? (laughs) At least I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. But this scripture promises us, Peter's actually quoting from the Psalms. This is written almost the exact same way in the Psalms. Whoever would love their life and would want to see good days. I don't know about you, but if there was you know, two doors in front of me. One is a door to a life that's okay and mediocre. And one is to a life that I would love. Wouldn't we all pick the life that we would love? Wouldn't we all pick that door? Wouldn't we all pick that way to walk into a life that we would love every single day? Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. This is the first key. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you three keys, three building blocks from this scripture that you can build your life on and have a life that you would love. And the first key is found right here. And I'm going to call it, watch your words. Watch your words. He said, keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. And today I want to I want to teach a little bit, okay? It's a little bit of a different mode, but if we are going to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from deceit, your word. And so um, the first thing I want to say is that your words are very very powerful. And if you're not aware that your words are powerful, you can do a lot of damage with your words. We've all been in a place where we can think back to a time in our life when someone has said something to us or spoken something over us. Someone has said, you're not good enough to do that. You'll never do it. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. Someone has said something about us that's stuck with us for a really long time. And as you're sitting here right now, you can remember it because those words, they stick to us. In a world that's full of people who would want to say negative things. Why wouldn't we want to be the ones who stand up and encourage people and speak life? Speak life over people. Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you know when Jesus, or sorry, when God created the earth, when he created everything and, and we read the story of creation, he spoke it all into being. His words were powerful and they were created. And we are created in his image. And therefore, our words are powerful and creative. And so often, so often, we forget about this. And we say things that are flippant. We say things quickly. We react in a situation. And we say something that can be so hurtful and detrimental to someone else's future. We can probably all remember a time as well when someone spoke something incredibly encouraging and life-giving into our life. And we held on to those words for a long time as well. They stuck too, didn't they? I would so much rather be the kind of person who's speaking life and encouragement into people than one who would speak negativity. Now, I want to look at this word evil. It said, it said they must keep their tongue from evil. And when, when we first look at this, we would think, you know, well, I probably, you know, I shouldn't swear. 
and I shouldn't lie. And, you know, we should probably not gossip if we're Christians or slander someone. We can, we, that, that, that's the first thing we think of when we think of evil speech, isn't it? And we could go through this list and say, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do those things. And that's great. We should be those people. And we should not do those things. But this word evil has a much deeper meaning. It actually means to retreat in battle or to give up. That's what God calls evil speech. And I want to give you another reference in the Bible where he used this. And we're going to talk about this just for a sec. In Numbers 13, 31, we're going to flip there and we're going to read this scripture. And I just want to set this up for a second. This is um, the, so where are we at in this, this scripture? Oh, the Israelites, that's right. We talked about this last week. The Israelites had come up to the promised land and they had sent in 12 spies to check out the land. And those spies had come back and we know that Caleb and Joshua were two of those spies And they had a great report about the land that they had gone into, the promised land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, the land that God had promised to his people long ago. They were about to go into it. And these 12 spies came back out and they said, it is surely an abundant land. It's the people are like giants. Their cities are fortified. And remember last week we said um, how they shouldn't have been surprised that that was the case. If it was a land that was flowing with milk and honey, that meant that it was a land that had everything they needed for health and prosperity. So I don't know why they were shocked when they walked in that the people were huge and the grapes were enormous and the cities were fortified because it was a land that was good for everything, for health and prosperity. God could have given them a land that was you know, not good, and they wouldn't have had to fight anybody to get into it. They would have been given that land away. But this was a land that God had promised them. And so when the spies came out, this is, what, this is what the other 10 of them said. The men went up and they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. And they had brought out an evil report of the land that they had searched This is really powerful. That was an evil report. And we just read in Peter that we should speak nothing evil. So in God's eyes, the evil report was, we are not able. We are not able. I can tell you this. If you have a dream from God in your heart, If God has given you something that he wants you to do, be careful who you tell it to. Because out of every 12 people, there'll be 10 who will say, you're not able. I don't think the odds have changed very much in all these years, unfortunately. Some people will say, you're able to do that. I believe in you. We have a big God. You can do it. But the majority of people will say, we are not able. I want to be part of the kind of people who would say, we are able. Not because of our own ability, not because of anything we can do, not because I'm strong on my own, but because I have a mighty God who has made a promise to me. And when he says that we can take the land, we can take the land. And we said this last week too, this generation 
that believed we are not able, you know, the entire camp of the Israelites believed this evil report. They believed we are not able. And so they all missed out on going into the promised land. It was their children who got to go in. And when they did, they plundered that land and they took it over. They had no problem. Why? Because they were obedient and they believed that God was with them. And they said, we are well able to take this land. God wants the kind of people who are going to say, we are well able. Not on our own power, but because we rely on a God who can do the impossible. A God who can do anything. And so I'm going to give you a little piece of really practical advice. If you're stuck in a situation and someone has shared something with you and you're thinking in your mind, there's no way. Have you ever been in one of those situations and you don't know what to say? Here's here's my life hack right here. This is what I say every single time. I smile and I say, anything is possible. Because I never want to be caught in the camp of the people who would say, we are not able. So if I ever smile at you and say, anything is possible, you don't know what's going on in my mind, but I am not going to speak it out of my mouth. I am always going to say, it is possible. It is possible. Because I would never want to kill a dream that God has birthed. And I would never want to be one that holds back a generation of people from moving into what God has called them to do because I was willing to say, I don't think we're able. We are well able. We are well able. We need to watch our words. The other half of that that scripture says that they need to keep their lips from deceitful speech. Now, right away again, we think lying, right? When, when we think deceitful speech. This, this word actually means don't bait people. Don't set them up. Don't create drama with your words. Now, now, now ladies. I'm going to talk to the ladies just for a sec here. You're lovely. But when you ask your husband, do I look fat in this? You're baiting him. He doesn't have a way out of that one. If he says yes, he's in trouble. If he says no, you've already made up your mind anyways and you're going to go change. So don't even ask the question. Don't bait people. Don't set them up. That's a silly little example. But, you know, Jesus saw this a lot with the Pharisees. They would follow him around and they would wait for him to say something and then they would try to trip him up with his own words or by asking back questions like, you know, could this really be this way about the law, right? And they would try to trip him up. They would try to deceive him into saying something wrong or so that they could, they could come against him. Don't do that to people. Don't bait people. Don't create more drama than needs to be. I feel like we live in a world where people are just always pushing people's buttons and, and creating drama where they shouldn't. You want to see this guy fly off the handle? I can do it. Watch this, Right? We bait people. We shouldn't be that kind of people. Now, I'm just going to say this, this, this flat out. Flat out. If you type it, you said it. Ooh. It just got quiet in here. If you type it, you said it. If you put it in a text, 
or an email, if you write it on someone's Facebook post, you said it. I believe that because those words are going to be read by that person and they can hurt them just as much as if you stood in front of their face and said those words. And I think that we have a generation of people who are a lot braver in front of their screens than they are face to face. And we need to be careful with what we say on social media and in texting and adding a little JK, I'm just joking, it doesn't take back what you said. We have to be careful with our words. We have to be a different kind of people in this generation. We have to be the kind of people who would say, I'm gonna watch what I say. This is the first building block to building a life that you would love is to watch your words. Always be honest and sincere with your words. Proverbs 15.4 says it this way. Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I don't want to be one that's going to crush anybody's spirit. I want to be one who encourages and lifts up and builds and speaks life with my words. Are you with me? Let's move on. We'll go back to 1 Peter 3. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech, and they must turn from evil and do good. This is key number two. Do the right thing. Turn from evil and do good. This literally means to bend the right way, to lean into what is good, what is of God, to choose what is right over what is easy or common or expected. And I think if we're going to choose to do what's right, this is, this is my life hack for this one, we need to make up our mind before we get into the situation. If you're going to go out with your friends, you need to make up your mind before you leave the house what you're going to do that night. If you're in business, maybe you need to make up your mind. These are the principles that I live by. These are the things I do. And when, when someone offers to pay me cash and not have to pay taxes, my answer is no. I'm never going to get, you know, swept into something like that because I've made up my mind. These are principles that I live by. So when a situation presents itself and I have the option to lean towards good or lean towards evil, I'm always going to pick good because I already made up my mind ahead of time. That's what I'm going to do. It's kind of like when I go to Wendy's for lunch. And I think as I'm, I'm approaching Wendy's that I'm going to get a salad. And I pull up to the, to the microphone thing and they say, what can I get for you? And out of my mouth comes cheeseburger. Right? My intentions were good. My intentions were good. I, I really did think I wanted the salad. But something from somewhere inside of me went, no, cheeseburger. And I literally get the bag. This has happened to me before. And I look in it and I'm like, why do I have a cheeseburger? I wanted the salad. Like, it's like I don't even know I did it, right? We need to make up our mind ahead of time that we're going to do the right thing. Because when we get in that situation and that moment confronts us, sometimes you know, if we haven't made up our mind, if we haven't set ourselves on the path we want to go, we can be easily swayed. 
swayed by our emotions, swayed by things other people will say, swayed by the moment, oh, I want to fit in, I want to do what everyone else is doing. Pick the salad. Do the right thing. And purpose in your heart that you're always going to do that. Purpose in your heart that you're always going to do the right thing. In your home, with your family, in your business. Just say, you know what, I'm going to lean toward what is good. And sometimes there's these things that are like middle of the road things. They're common practices. Everybody's doing it. But is it right? You need to make up your mind beforehand before you're ever confronted with that situation so you know what you're going to choose. I'm always going to bend into what is good. I'm going to choose what is right. Sometimes, and this is a hard one, but sometimes we have to remove ourselves from certain situations or certain people in our lives who are a bad influence. Because sometimes we make up our mind, this is a decision for me, for my life. I know this is right for me, but no one else around me is actually doing that. And sometimes we need to separate ourselves from those situations. Don't go to that place. Don't go out with those people. Don't do that thing. Sometimes we're going to have to do that. And it's hard. It can be really hard. But I promise you this. Whenever you make a decision to lean into where God is leading you and to make a choice that's right for your life, God is going to reward you. He will reward you. That's how he works. And sometimes the things that we're supposed to do and the things that we're not supposed to do, they're they're sin. They're black and white in the Bible. You can read them black and white. Do this. Don't do this. But there are these gray areas, these middle-of-the-road things. But I'm telling you, if you can make up your mind what you believe, what God is calling you to do, and, and you know what? Here's another, here's another part of it. Give yourself words to say in that situation. Think about it ahead of time and think, this is what I'm going to say if I ever get caught in that situation. This is my bend. This is my lean. I'm going to choose ahead of time. This is what I'm going to do. It makes it easier for you down the road. And the last thing on this do the right thing I want to say is never, ever hesitate to do good. Never hesitate to do good. If God has put it on your heart to buy a gift for somebody, to give them a book, to call someone. If you wake up in the morning and you got a friend who's going through something and they're on your mind, don't hesitate to give them a call and encourage them. Don't hesitate to be one that speaks life into their life. If someone comes across your path and, and you have an opportunity to do something good and God, God will give us these inner promptings, right? He speaks to us deep down in our heart. I remember one time, I had this, this nagging feeling that I needed to call a friend. She was, she's an old high school friend. She lives in another town. We see each other a couple times a year for lunch. And it was like for a couple days, it was eating away at me. It was like, just give her a call. Just give her a call. And I didn't do it. I was like, I'll do it later. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking this on my own. And after two or three days had gone by, she called me. And I thought that's weird because we don't talk all that often. And she was really mad at me. 
And she said, how come you never call me? And I was like, oh, gosh, I wish I'd listened to that voice and called her two days earlier. I could have put that whole conversation to rest and I would have, you know, actually been able to encourage her life and to be in a good place with her instead of having to wrestle through all of this to get to the issue that was actually bothering her. If I just listened to that prompting, if God says, pick up a, you know, a bouquet of flowers and drop by that person's house, they need you, do it. If he says, drop by that, that cubby at work on your way back from the coffee station, do it. If he tells you, text somebody and encourage them today, do it. Can I just say, do it? Never hesitate to do good. Never hesitate to do what God is asking you to do. We must turn from evil and do good, actively do good. The last line in 1 Peter 3 says this, that we must seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. So key number three is to pursue peace relentlessly. And I'm going to hang here for just a sec because I feel like this is so important that God pursued peace with us. He pursued peace with mankind. We had come into a state where we were fallen and separated from him, and he pursued peace. He pursued making it right with us. It's our choice if we want to make it right with him, if we want to just step into what he has offered us. But he pursued peace with us. So why wouldn't we be people who also pursue peace? That word seek in that scripture means to keep seeking, to keep after it until it's found, to get to the bottom of the matter, to really figure out what's behind this. Do you ever have this where you have, you know, you know someone's being awkward with you or you know there's something there, but you can't get to the bottom of it? It's like, I know somewhere along the line I said something or did something that offended you and our relationship is weird and I don't like it. We need to be the kind of people who will pursue peace, who will actually go, do you know what? Is there something? You, do you know what? The biggest thing about pursuing peace for me is being the first one to open the door to that conversation be the first one to say, are we okay? Is everything all right? Can, is there anything I can do to make this better? Make it easy for people to make peace with us. Make it easy for them. This is a difficult thing because all throughout the, all throughout the scriptures, it talks over and over and over again about forgiveness, about making peace with people because it's a difficult thing for us to do. But God gave us forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And he says, because I've forgiven you, I need you to forgive other people. It's reciprocal. What I've poured into you, you need to pour into others. You know, people don't expect us to pursue peace. It's not common in the world we live in. And so when we pursue peace with people, we actually show them a little bit of God's nature. We show them a little bit of who Jesus is. 
We show them a little bit of something different, a different way to live life when we pursue peace relentlessly. Proverbs 12.20 says, those who promote peace will have joy. You will never have peace within yourself if you don't have peace with other people. If there's something going on with someone else in your life, you'll never be settled. You'll never be able to have peace inside if you don't have peace on the outside. It's just a simple, simple message. God made peace with us. We need to make peace with others. Romans 12, 18 says it this way. This scripture I read about probably about eight months ago. I actually heard it in a message and I went back and I read it again because it hit me so hard, this scripture. It it just really hit me hard. It says, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As much as it's possible and as much as it depends on you, live with peace with everyone. So what can you do? You can take the first step to make peace. You can be the one who sends that text or that email. You can be the one who picks up the phone and calls first. You can be the one who sets up that coffee. And maybe that's something, as I'm talking today, someone here is like, you know what? Yeah, I need to do that. I need to pursue peace. I need to be the first one to make a move. Break down the walls. Like I said, make it easy for people to make peace with you. If you're the one who comes in humility and says, how do we work this out? How do we make this right? It doesn't, you know what? You don't always have to be right. We don't always have to be right. Sometimes it's okay to say, I, I, I obviously did something wrong. I don't even know what I did wrong. My dad used to have this saying, if they knew better, they would do better. And I think that applies to most people. They don't know they've hurt us. They don't know that, you know, we're carrying something around. They don't know. They're free, but we're not. Right? Forgiving others isn't about setting them free. It's about setting yourself free. It's about not holding on to it anymore. Like that old U2 song, you know, you get stuck in a moment and you can't get over it. We replay these things over and over in our minds about when people hurt us and things they said to us instead of taking it to Jesus. You know, you don't have to wait for anyone to free you. Jesus frees you and God takes care of the rest. I'm going to say that again because it was good. You don't have to wait for someone to free you. You don't have to wait for someone to say, I'm sorry. You don't have to wait for someone to come to you and try to make it right. Jesus frees you. He sets your heart free. He's the one who can take away all that bitterness, all that pain, all that anger, all that stuff. He'll set you free. And he's the one who makes it right with everyone else in the end. You don't have to worry about that. You know, sometimes we think if we forgive someone, we're letting them off the hook. That we're allowing them to get away with something they shouldn't get away with. That's true, but that's not up to us. It's up to God. As much as it depends on me, I will make peace with all people. But sometimes it doesn't depend on me. 
Sometimes it doesn't depend on me. Sometimes I've done everything I can to pursue peace with someone and they don't want to make peace. And at that point, I have to trust my inner promptings again, those Holy Spirit whispers that say, you know what? You've done everything you can do. It's time to walk away. Because we don't need to be anybody's doormat. We don't need anyone to be putting us under condemnation for something. We pursue peace We do everything we can do to make it right. But if they don't want to make it right, you need to be released from that. Jesus sets us free. He sets us free from anything anyone has said about us. He sets us free from any time that we've not done the right thing. And he sets us free by making peace in our lives. He's our healer. He came to set the set the brokenhearted free to heal them and set them free. That's what he does. That's the business he's in. So today, I just want to ask you this as as we close today, and I'm going to pray over you before you go. I know this was just a, a super practical message today, but we learned three keys. That we need to watch our words. We need to always do the right thing. And we need to pursue peace relentlessly in our lives. And when we build our lives this way, when we use these things as the building blocks and the foundation for our life, we will have a life we love. And great days. Not just, you know, we went to Disneyland and we had one great day. Every day can be great when you're serving God. Every day can be great. But we have to do these things to build our lives. So as as we're, as we're going to pray in just a moment, I just want to ask you, maybe there was one of these things that's speaking to you today. Maybe there's one of these circumstances, one of these building blocks where you go, you know what? I have said something or someone said something over me and I need to bring that to Jesus today. We've all, as I said earlier, been under the weight of things people have said in our lives. Maybe there's a line that keeps going through your head of something someone has said to you. You'll never do it. You're not good enough. I want you to take that line to Jesus today. We submit it to his name, his identity, that the, the identity we have in him, what he has for us. It's not what someone said about you. And we're going to watch our words. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you've leaned into evil. Maybe you've leaned into that path of not doing the right thing. Today's the day to make that right with God. Today's the day that you can say, you know what? I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to make up my mind today. I'm never going to be swayed into that path again. I'm never going to bend into that path again. And today... Jesus will give you the power to make up your mind and to make that right. And maybe, maybe you need to make peace with someone. Maybe, you know, there's a broken relationship in your family, at work, somewhere in your life. There's someone that you know you need to make peace with. I believe if that's the case, it's just that person is just burning on your heart right now. And so if God's speaking to you in this moment, to contact that person or, or to pursue peace with that person in some way today, don't hesitate to do it. Do it. 
just do it. Just do it. It's going to be so good. So God, in this moment, we bring all of these things to you. God, we are the kind of people who want to believe in you. We want to be like Caleb and Joshua. We want to say we are able. With your power, with your spirit working in us, we are able. And so God, in this moment, whatever whatever each of us is whispering in our heart to you, whatever each of us is bringing before you, God, I pray that you would heal those things. I pray, God, your presence and your power would be here right now to heal hearts, hearts that have been wounded and broken. And God, I pray that as we step out into this next week, that we would be reminded of the words that we heard today, that we would always, always watch our words that you would help us to lean into good and do the right thing and that you would help us to pursue peace. And when we do, God, when we step out in these things, I pray that you would meet us with your power and show yourself powerful on our behalf because it's so much easier to go into these things when you are with us. And so we want to listen to your voice, listen to your guide. God, I pray you would be with us. And so as we give all of these things to you today, God, I pray that you would heal and restore things. I pray that we will hear um, stories back, even this week, of people who have made peace with someone or people who have been able to fix one of these things in their life, God. I pray for fruit from from this word in our lives. And God, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for everything you do. We honor you today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message from Mountain Park Church. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us. And we'd love to connect with you online through Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, mp.church. If you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it as well. You can email us at mystory@mp.church. And if God has been using this ministry in your life, we want to invite you to partner with us by giving at mp.church give.